Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to our live stream service this morning as we continue in our series called Upstream. My name is Matt, and I'm the adult pastor here at Canyon Hills Friends Church, and it is so great to be with you all this morning. And I truly believe that God has prepared this specific message series called Upstream for this specific time in our history, because there is so much that we can pull as Christians out of this idea of swimming upstream. You know, the whole thrust behind this series is for us to ask ourselves the question, how as Christians can we remain strong in our faith, firm in our convictions, and bold in professing Jesus Christ when there's so much darkness and uncertainty and chaos that exists around us? How can we continue to push forward when it seems like everybody else in the world is doing something other than we are doing? What does that look like? And it's difficult right now, because for most of us, we're learning how to adapt to this new form of life, this new lifestyle we've all had to kind of engage in due to the coronavirus. And we need to be asking ourselves, how as Christians should we be responding to this? How should we be doing this? And on the unfortunate truth is that most of us, if not all of us, we're doing pretty much exactly what the rest of the world is doing. We're giving in to panic and fear and worry, and doubt, and we're doing all these things that we know deep down we shouldn't be doing because we have hope in Jesus Christ. We're hibernating ourselves away. We're going to the store, hurrying to the store to buy up all the food. We're hoarding all the toilet paper for who knows why, but this is what we're doing because it's dark times. It's uncertain times. We're seeing businesses close their doors that we never thought we would see shut down in our lifetime. We're seeing churches move away from their in-house Sunday morning services to all online platforms. We're seeing the very fabric of our society and our culture being stretched and pulled in ways that it hasn't before, leaving our leaders scrambling, trying to figure out how best to respond to this pandemic. What do we do? Where do we go from here? But you see, we as Christians, we have a great opportunity. We have a responsibility now more than any time in our recent past to truly be outward focused, to have an outward mindset, and to do what we're called to do in Matthew chapter 5, where it says to go and be a light. Let your light shine amongst men. There is so much darkness that is existing in this world right now. We need to be showing the light of Jesus Christ, the hope of Jesus Christ in the midst of all of this uncertainty. You see, right now during this pandemic, we as Christians, we can't just sit back in complacency and in comfort, hoping and expecting the masses of worried people to come flocking into the churches like they did after 9-11 because it's socially unacceptable. We're not allowed to do that anymore. And we have to look at it from a different approach. We have to figure out what can we do here and now. How, as Christians, can we respond to this? And that's why we need to let our light shine amongst the world. We need to let our light go forward and really be outward focused, outward mindset to figure out how can we show Christ to others amidst this time in our lives. We also can't just rely on the pastors to come up here each week and reach every single person that has anxiety or worry, or fear, or doubt, those who are struggling to preach to the elderly, to help the sick and the needy. We all have a responsibility right here, right now. We are being called as Christians to step up, to be the person, the people that God has called us to be in our communities, in our nations. We all 
need to become pastors to our social circles. You know, I read a letter that was written from a doctor to a pastor of a prominent church in America, and the letter said this, Pastor, when people are not feeling well, I am there. When they come to the hospital and are diagnosed with the coronavirus, I am there. When they end up on deathbed with no family around them, I am still there. They know where I am, Pastor, but where are you? It seems that the church in America has just closed its doors and left its people out to dry. I'm a pastor. You're all called to be pastors. These words are for us. We are living in dark times when people in our world are asking, where is the church of Jesus Christ? Where is God amidst everything that's going on? Because we don't see him. All we see is hatred. We see jealousy. We see people arguing and fighting with one another. We see skepticism. We see disagreements. We see people committing hate acts towards one another. If your Jesus is real, where is he? Because we surely don't see him. And even on a political spectrum, we see that it's bigger than we thought. It's both moral and spiritual issues now. It's difficult for us to reconcile all of this. And we're starting to realize it's going to take a lot more than money to fix our problems. It's going to take a lot more than money to fix our economy, to fix our unemployment, to fix our homelessness, to help restore marriages and relationships that are being tattered and stretched as people are being quarantined together. We're going to have to do something different if we want to ensure that our children are going to make it into the next generation. Something different. You see, folks, what we need now more than ever before is the birth of a new compassion. We really need a new compassion to rise up in the world unlike we've ever seen before. And as we're going to be talking about compassion over the next couple of minutes, I just want to invite you, if you're watching on our YouTube channel or if you're watching through Facebook Live right now, just to interact with us right now in our chat systems or in our comment sections. We would love to hear how you are showing compassion amidst this whole situation. How are you reaching out to your neighbors? How are you reaching out to your coworkers or your family? What are you doing to show compassion to the people around you? And maybe if you need compassion, go ahead and write that in there as well, because maybe somebody can come alongside of you and help get you what you need in this time. You see, because compassion is defined as sympathetic consciousness and concern for the sufferings or misfortunes of others with a desire to alleviate it. See, that word has such a deep personal meaning to it. It's so much more than just a feeling, than just an emotion. Compassion should lead us to action, to wanting to do something. You know, when Noah Webster first wrote the American Dictionary of the English Language in 1828, he actually started the definition of compassion with these two words a painful sympathy, a painful sympathy. I love that phrase, but that is so hard for me to wrap my head around in what we're dealing with right now. How can we have a painful sympathy to go and have the desire to take actionable steps to help people in their sufferings and their misfortunes? What does that look like in our world right now? Well, I think to answer that question, we need to understand the biblical definition of compassion. And the biblical definition of compassion is to see the problem, being moved by the need, going out to where the problem exists, and helping people one by one by one solve their problems and rise them up to a better place in life. 
That's really what biblical compassion is all about. And we actually see this all throughout Scripture. And there's one specific passage in the Gospel of Mark that immediately comes to my mind when I think about Jesus showing compassion. And it's a story about a man with leprosy who hears Jesus is coming to town. And he runs and he finally gets in the presence of Jesus and he drops down to his feet and he reaches out to Jesus and he says, Lord, if it's within your will, or if it's within your will, heal me. Make me clean. Scripture says that Jesus sees this man with compassion in his heart and taking pity on him, reaches out, touches the man and says, I will go and be clean. See, folks, the most interesting part about this story, it's not the fact that Jesus healed the leper, it's the fact that he touched the man with leprosy. He touched the man with leprosy during this time in history that was against cultural regulations and rules. In the Old Testament time, if you had leprosy, you were seen as unclean. You were diseased. So much so the people didn't want to associate with you. They would push you outside of the towns, outside of the markets, outside of the cities, and put you into these little colonies where you would be quarantined to rest away from the rest of the world. Sound familiar to anything that we're dealing with today in our world? Can we relate to this? But Jesus sees this man who should be quarantined, reaches out and touches him with compassion in his heart and says, go and be clean. Go and be clean. Now, does this mean that we're supposed to go around touching everybody who may have the coronavirus? Absolutely not. But I think there are some amazing truths that we can pull from this story. Because you see, for Jesus, real compassion, it wasn't just a feeling. It wasn't just emotion. It was a commitment to help the hurting people. It was a commitment to help the people who were suffering however best that he could. Real compassion, it's so much more than just a feeling or an emotion. It's something that should drive us to taking action, however best we can. But how do we do that? How can we show this kind of biblical compassion in our world today where we're supposed to be socially distant with one another? Well, I think to answer that question, we've got to go back to the biblical definition where it says that we need to recognize the problem and see the need and go to where the problem is. The best way that we can start to show compassion in our world today is by looking around us. When you're at home, look around your social circle. Who's in your family, your extended family? Who's in your neighborhood? What needs are being presented that maybe you can help with? How can you show compassion to your neighbors? You know, this reminds me of a story in scripture about a man who comes up to Jesus and asks him a question. And the question is this, who is my neighbor? Now, at first, this sounds like a very easy question, doesn't it? We all know who our neighbors are. They're the people on our streets. They live next door to us. We see them mowing their lawns every weekend. They shopped at the same shops that we did. They ate at the same restaurants that we ate at. They went to the same movie theaters we did. They even maybe went to church with us on Sunday mornings. We all know who our neighbors are. But hidden behind this question was a deeper theological point. You see, the Jews knew that Jesus was calling them to a more profound type of love. And he's saying, if you love me, you will also love your neighbor. But not only that, if you look at the book of Leviticus, it took it a step further and it said to love your neighbor as yourself. If loving Jesus was hard, man, loving our neighbors, it's so much more difficult. I mean, most of us struggle to even like our neighbors. But when we truly look at it, he's saying, I don't want you just to love your neighbors, but to love them as yourself. 
So when this man comes up to Jesus and says, Jesus, who is my neighbor? He's saying, God, there is so much going on around me. Who am I supposed to help? Who am I supposed to reach out to? Who am I supposed to show compassion to? And Jesus responds to this man by telling him a parable that we all are very familiar with. It's called the parable of the Good Samaritan. And it goes like this. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. He had to get to the temple. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. See, a Levite was a theologian, a doctor of a theology, someone who knew the very character of God, and yet he still passed by on the other side of the road. He stayed six feet away. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. See, the Jews hated the Samaritans. They never had anything nice to say about them. So Jesus says this hated man, this half-breeded person, sees this man in need, recognizes that he's lying on the road almost dead, and decides to do something about it. Look at this. It says, He went to him, bandaged his wounds, poured on oil and wine, and then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. There's two observations I want to make about this story real quick. First, is that what the Samaritan did was above and beyond human obligation. It was above and beyond human obligation. For most of us, if we were to see somebody lying beaten on the side of the road, we would call 911. We would wait for an EMT to arrive, if we're nice enough, and let them take care of the situation. But there were no EMTs on the road between Jerusalem and Jericho, and it was a treacherous, dangerous road to travel on. And so when the Samaritan came, he knew that he had a decision to make. He could either choose to pass by, to stay six feet away like everybody else did, and leave this man to die, or he could choose to involve himself, to show compassion and pity and concern and go and help this man and save his life. There was no other option. See, with that in mind, most of us, maybe we would have hesitated with this decision to make. Maybe we would have seen this man and said, hey, you know what? I'm just too busy. I don't have time to help him. I've got Zoom conferences to attend in my PJs. I've got to get up super early in the morning to go stand in line at Costco to get that toilet paper and then rush over to Taco Bell to get all of the food off the menu so that way I can finally use all the toilet paper that I'm hoarding in my household. Maybe some of us would have looked at this man and said, you know what? I can't help him. He's too far gone for me. And you know what? Maybe that's true. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how much you pray how talented you are, how much money you have, we can't save every single person. We can't save every child. We can't save every adult. We can't save every elderly person. We can't fix every marriage. We can't restore every relationship, especially now as we're being quarantined together. We just can't do it all. Even Mother Teresa couldn't save every child in Calcutta. But just because we can't save them doesn't mean that we shouldn't help the people that God places in the path in front of us. So the question then becomes, why did the Samaritan choose to get involved at all? It's not because he wasn't busy. It's not because he wasn't prepared. I think it's because he had compassion in his heart. 
He had compassion in his heart. He saw this man, recognized he was a human being, and said, you know what? I need to help. I need to interject myself. I need to get involved because this man is hurting, and I have the ability to help. That's what comes down to it. That was the decision he chose to make. See, the second thing we learn from this story is this. There is no way the Samaritan could have known what he was getting himself into. See, like I said, most of us would have responded very differently to this story. But what I want us to know here, and the point of this is, when the Samaritan saw the man laying on the side of the road, he didn't step back and do this mental calculation in his head. Man, if I go and I get involved, I might get blood on my outfit, which means I'm going to have to change my clothes. I'm probably going to have to give him some water, some of my resources, which are taking away from the things that I need right now. Maybe I'm going to have to put him on my donkey if he's not able to walk, which means I'm going to have to walk. I'm going to get all hot and sweaty and tired before I get to where I'm going. And then I'm going to have to take him somewhere. I'm going to have to put him in a hotel or maybe in a hospital or a medical tent or something, which means I'm going to have to pay to have him restored. See, the Samaritan didn't do any of these things. He didn't play these mental calculations. It really is. He saw the man. He said, I've got one of two decisions. I either pass by like everybody else or I get involved or I get involved. That's it. You see, most of us, we don't know what compassion will demand of us. For some situations, it'll be a one and done quick and easy solution. For other things, it's going to be a lot more difficult. It's going to require more of us and the burden may be larger than we can bear on our own. And we see this true in this story because the Samaritan saw the man, did what he could, and then said, I need to get him further help. So he took him to the innkeeper to have him rest up so he could get the help that he needed. See, the point of this, folks, is that nobody can do it all. And nobody is asking you to do it all. But we all can do something. Each and every one of us has a part to play right here, right now. And we have to think, what does my part look like? At the end of the story, Jesus looks at the man and he asks him a question in return. And the question he asks him is this, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? See, this isn't a trick question. It's right there in black and white. Even the Sunday school children know this answer. They'll jump up and down and say, I know, I know, I know. It's the Samaritan. And then Jesus gives a command. He says, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. See, folks, the point that's being made here is that the question isn't, who is my neighbor? The question is, whose neighbor will I be to those I meet? Whose neighbor will I be to those I encounter every single day? The obligation, it's on us. It's not on that other person. And we saw that true in the story that Jesus told. The obligation wasn't on the man who was beaten reaching out for help. It was on those who passed by because they're the ones that had a choice to make, to get involved, to do something, to show compassion, or to keep passing by. What does that look like? How do we do this? You see, folks, compassion, it's not something that's just a feeling or an emotion. It's an action. It leads us to respond. And if you truly want to see your neighborhoods, your social circles, your world change right now, we've got to learn to start showing compassion to one another. We can't just shut our blinds and close our windows and our doors and hide away when we see our neighbors walking outside. 
We can't rush to the store and hoard all the food and the toilet paper because we think it's the apocalypse or the end of the world. When we see our family members and our relatives call, we can't just ignore the call because we think that they're okay and that social isolation means that I can't even speak to them on the phone. No, we need to do our part. We need to engage in conversations. We need to be interacting with people in a safe manner to do so and finding out how we can help people with what we have and be safe in the process. See, that's what real compassion is. It's to help people in their sufferings and their misfortunes. That's what it truly looks like. You see, there is something that each and every one of us can do. And we must choose every single day to be the light in this world, to start to show others the compassion and the deep, deep love of Jesus Christ that they desperately need right now. We have an opportunity as Christians to show hope and comfort in the midst of a pandemic. And that's what we're being asked to do. But how do we do that? What are some practical ways that we can show compassion? So as I wrap up my message this morning, I just want to give you a couple practical things that you can do from the comfort of your own home. Staying safe, keeping your family safe, it doesn't require much of you, but a way that you can start to show compassion to those around you, to your neighbors that may be around you. And these aren't the only solutions. These are just geared to get your brain rolling. And I ask that you just lean in on the Holy Spirit during this time and ask him to show you, ask the Holy Spirit to fill you with ideas and a heart for compassion and how you can help the people that exist around you. Because maybe it looks like one of these things. First, for the elderly or for the people who have immune compromised systems, if you know them, call them up. If you don't know them, find a way to get a hold of their phone number if they live on your street. Engage with them, chat with them, talk with them, laugh with them because laughter is the best medicine. And if you want to show real compassion, if you're healthy enough, if you're comfortable enough and they're comfortable enough, offer to buy their groceries for them. Offer to go to the store and get whatever it is that they need for basic necessities and drop it off on their front porch so that way they don't have to go and put themselves in that situation. A very easy way to show compassion starts with our elderly. Or if we take it to the next step, our neighbors. When we see our neighbors outside, don't shut your doors and hide away. No, go on your porch, go on your patio, your balcony, stand in your driveway, on the sidewalk, stay six feet away and introduce yourself. Let them know that you're a Christian. Offer to pray for them. See if there's anything that you can do to help them amidst all of this. You see, it's time for us to actually be neighbors to our neighbors. I'm willing to gauge that most of us don't even really know our neighbors. We know their names, but we don't know anything else about them. Interact with them from a safe social distance. Let them know that you're going to be praying. Don't be afraid to tell them that you're a prayer warrior and ask how you can be praying for them. Ask them how you can help them in the midst of this crisis, because maybe you have something that could help them. Starts with our neighbors, too. Or for when we look at it, the service workers. Thank them profusely. Every opportunity you get, every person you encounter, the Amazon worker, the FedEx delivery person, the mail carrier, the grocery store attendant, the bagger, the security guard, whoever it may be, thank them. Recognize them. Tell them you value them. Tell, you that, tell them that you appreciate them and what they're doing and providing for this basic necessity, being an essential worker because odds are they're terrified. They're afraid. They don't know what they're coming into contact with. They don't know who these people are that keep coming in and out, whether they're sick or not. And they're going through some of the darkest, hardest, 
most turbulent times of their life. Acknowledge them, thank them, show them that you value them because it can go a long way. For maybe the single mother or for the low-income family on your block, offer to buy pizza and have it delivered to their house. Or if you've got extra games or puzzles or toys, wipe them down and drop them off on the doorstep so that way they have something to entertain their children. Just letting them know that they're not alone during all of this can save a life and can really speak wonders. For the medical professionals, if you know them personally or you see them, man, go above and beyond to thank them. They are on the front lines of this battle. Do whatever you can to support them. Offer to mow their lawn, to do their yard work, to take out their trash, to to walk their dog. Offer to get them basic necessities if they need it. Do whatever you can because they are working long hours, long shifts. They are seeing horrors that we can't even imagine in our lives. Thank them for their service. But not only that, come alongside their families because their families are terrified now. They don't know what their spouse is dealing with at work. They don't know what they're bringing home. They don't know what they're seeing. And they're just as panicked. They're just as worried for their safety and for their family's safety. Find ways that you can support these people in your communities and in your neighborhoods. For the homeless, for the needy, when you go to the grocery store, buy an extra bag of groceries, a blanket, a bar of soap, and take it into a donation shelter or a center. You see, most of our homeless locations that are helping the homeless people are overrun right now. And they're in desperate need of supplies because they rely upon people bringing in donations, but everyone's quarantining themselves and nobody's dropping things off. And they're in need of supplies to help people in the shelters just make it through to the next day. If you've got extra clothes or a little extra time, just take it, throw it in your trunk and drive to the parking lot and they'll even pull it out of your trunk for you so you don't even have to have contact. See, folks, there are so many ways that we can start to show compassion to people around us. The last one that I want to bring up is this, to pray. To pray like we've never prayed before. We need to be a nation that's praying now more than we ever have. We need to rise up and be aggressive prayer warriors to pray for our world, to pray for our doctors, to pray for our nurses, to pray for those who are sick, for those who are healthy, those who are afraid, those who are filled with anxiety and panic and worried, those who are still working day in and day out. We need to be praying for the unemployed, praying for the businesses, doing whatever we can to help. And if you know a local business that's struggling, buy a gift card. Use it later on at a birthday or a wedding or Christmas, whatever it may be. Call them up, see how you can support them. Buy a meal, post it on your social media page and let other people in your social circles know that they're open. Support your local businesses because they've always supported the community and they're hurting now and it's our chance to rise up and come alongside of them and offer to pray for them. See, we need to be prayer warriors, aggressively praying because prayer has the power to change things. When we pray, it invokes the power of God and that power of God can move mountains. It can heal our nation. It can heal our world if we're really willing to step in and pray. And it can change lives. And I can speak to this personally. A couple years ago, I had heart surgery. And I was terrified. Going into it, I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't really know all that was entailed with it. And I was nervous. And I know that I had the church praying for me. And it helped But the morning that I went super early before the sun rose to get ready to go into surgery, I was frightened. And along with my family, do you know who showed up? 
Pastor Carlos and Pastor Matt Vargo. They came out of their way super early in the morning to pray with me just before I went into surgery. And as they started to pray over me and lift their hands up, there was such a sense of peace and comfort and stillness and power that came over my life that just calmed any fears that I had to let me know that I was going to be okay and that Jesus was there and that Jesus was in charge, that God was in control. You see, folks, we need to recognize that power and claim, God, you are in control, and we are calling upon you to step in right here, right now. And we believe this so firmly as a church that we want to extend a challenge to each and every one of you. Every single day at noon, when you go to eat your lunch, we want you to pray for three things in specific. First, to pray that God would end this pandemic, that God would heal our nation, that he would heal our world and bring a close to all of this. Secondly, that God would be revealed mightily through this experience, that people would wake up, that people would see the power of God and come running to him. And third, to pray for health and safety, for finances, for worries, for fears, for anxiety, for protection. Invoke that power of Jesus to come upon you, your family, your friends, and this world. And so we're asking every day at noon, when you go to sit down and eat lunch together as a family, pray for these three things. Because we want to be a church that prays. We want to be a nation that powerfully prays because we know that prayer can change things. It's time for us to pray. Not to judge one another, not to criticize one another, not to hate one another, but to come alongside of each other to show each other true compassion, the true love of Jesus Christ that people so desperately need right now. See, we as Christians, we have a great opportunity to show this world the hope, the love, the peace, the understanding, the forgiveness, the grace, the mercy, and the comfort and power of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Don't waste that opportunity. Would you pray with me? Father, we are just... God, we are so delighted just to be your children. God, that we would be able to call upon your name, to know that we can run to you when we are feeling down, when we are feeling worried, when it seems too big for us to bear. And so, God, I pray that you just make us a people of prayer right here, right now. Father, that you would just allow us to rise up to it, call upon your name, to cast our burdens, our worries, our doubts, our fears, whatever it may be, Father, to lift them up to you. God, to seek you in this moment, to call upon you with a firm conviction in our heart, God, that you can heal. God, that you can turn this around. We know that's true. So God, I pray that you just allow us to invoke that power today. And not only that, Father, that you would just rise us up to be a people of true compassion, a people who desire to be your light amidst the darkness, to be your hands and feet, to show a deep, deep love that you so freely give to each and every one of us, Father. Father, let us truly speak your words now. Fill us with a heart of compassion that we wouldn't just walk by, Father, but we would take a good look at our communities, Father, our neighborhoods, and see how can we get involved? How can we stay safe and still help those around us? God, I pray that you just instill this in our lives. Help us be 
your people. And God, heal our land. We love you. Pray this in your name.